0: This is Being Catholic with Bob Johnston on Catholic Spirit Radio. Hi, this is Bob Johnston, and you're listening to Being Catholic right here on Catholic Spirit Radio. 89.5 FM and 92.5 FM in good old McLean County in Bloomington Normal. 88.3 in Pontiac, 97.1 in Lincoln, 89.1 in DeKalb, Sycamore, covering much of Central and some of Northern Illinois. We're going to have a great show for you today. I'm here with my wife, Lynn. Remember always that we are brought to you by you. Everything that we do and everything we're able to do is made possible by you. So any donations that you can make would be greatly appreciated. If you would like to make a donation, you can go to our website, catholicspiritradio.com. Again, that's catholicspiritradio.com. And it will tell you how to make a donation there and give you more information about us. Uh, As I mentioned, I'm here with my wife, Lynn, and... uh, I want to mention also that uh, the Catholic Spirit Radio sponsored uh, a couple of events, and uh, they just concluded this past week. Uh, there was a trip to uh, Canton, Ohio, and uh, see the Mother Angelica Museum and uh, uh, other things in the area, and it was a great trip. And I want to give a great thanks to uh, Kathy Fulton, who did a wonderful job of organizing the whole thing, and it went very well, and everybody had a good time. Uh, Also want to mention the fact that uh, there was a rosary here at Catholic Spirit Radio last night, and uh, we had about 40 people show up, and it was a great event. And of course, October is the month of the rosary, and uh, everyone, as my wife uh, will tell you, she's going to talk about a little bit, should be thinking about that and praying the rosary. I also want to mention that uh, we were gone last week. Uh, We did do a show uh, before that on integralism, and we're going to do a little bit more on that today. But before we start on that, I want to turn this over to my wife, Lynn, and she wants to talk a little bit about the rosary.
1: Yes. What I want to say is not explain the rosary, but to explain that this is the month of the rosary. And everybody, with no excuses at all, should be saying a rosary a day. We need to be interceding. After all, all the wars and things that are going on in the world today, the solution to it is turn to our Mother Mary, our Mother in Heaven, and ask her to intercede with her Son. You know, a Jewish mother has a lot of a uh, lot of pull with her son. She would. Uh, She is the queen of the angels. She has powers and things and the ability to ask for graces for us. We are pleading with her to ask for peace and grace. So we should be doing that. After all, you know, this last week, uh, I just heard uh, this morning, there's like uh, 200 million, 300 million dollars. Biden is set aside for, uh, anti-nuclear, um, medications in case we are attacked by nuclear weapons. This is very, getting very, very frightening. We need to take it to heart. So pray and pray that rosary. Pray it hard. And say Michael the Archangel's prayer. Get that in, too, at the end of your rosary. You know, the one that said after Mass and the one that we conclude our programming with? That's St. Michael prayer. Pray it. Ask Michael to help because he is our one of our protectors. This is the month, too, of the right to life. And even though the Supreme Court has ruled in favor of life, there's a lot to be done. Uh, each... Now each state has their – can make their own choice about what to do about it and whether it should proceed with – continue with abortion. Illinois, Well, Bob was telling me he saw in Illinois they're going to set up a portable abortion –
0: Clinic. Yeah,
1: (laughs) clinic, whatever you want to call it. A bus or truck or something that'll go around, have all the equipment in it, especially down in southern Illinois, so they can get pe- people from Indiana and Kentucky, Kentucky Missouri. 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 Those states are allowing outlawing, outlawing abortion. Therefore, they're gonna. Uh,
0: They're going to invite people from those states to come across the border into Illinois because here in Illinois, it's pretty much uh, abortion is unchanged and pretty much wide open.
1: Also, when you get to mass, you should be noticing a red one single red rose on the altar, and that symbolizes right to life. They need help. They need some donations to keep them going. And on the 22nd of this month, we will have a representative here to talk about abortion and what we're doing in this community. So, Bob, you can get on with what you have to.
0: Yeah, mark that on your calendar, uh, October 22nd, to listen to our show because uh, Kathy Jenke will be here and she may be here with uh, someone else. Uh, Kathy has been involved with Birthright. Uh, for over 30 years, and she'll be talking about uh, birthright and what they do, and it'll be a very interesting show. So be sure you set some time aside, put that on your calendar, and uh, remember to listen to that. Either uh, it's on, of course, we're on at uh, 10 o'clock every Saturday night and 4 o'clock every Sunday afternoon. So that'll be a good show, and uh, again, put that on your calendar. Is there anything else, Lynn? No,
1: no. no.
0: Okay. Uh, Today I'm going to talk a little bit more about Integralism. We talked about that uh, two weeks ago, and I'll go over just a little bit what it is again and then uh, give some of the criticisms of uh, Integralism and uh, answer those criticisms. So uh, Integralism is basically the adherence to the church teaching on the social order. And that is uh, society, according to church teaching, is subject to the church's teaching on obedience to God, and uh, government also is uh, involved in that, uh, and should be governing for the common good of all. And that's the church's teaching on the, the social teaching, and uh, the economy, and everything you know concerning uh, people as a group, people in society uh, applies. Uh, according to Catholicism, to the society just as much as it applies to any individual. And so integralism is the adherence to that, and then it's the idea that uh, this should be something that should be discussed publicly. It goes on, it says, Recognition that religion is not just a private matter, but applies to society. So uh, those two things. And then also uh, the idea that the result uh the of the uh, points one and two is the opposition to liberalism in all its forms. And the church uh, understands uh, that liberalism uh, basically is anti-religion and anti-God, and we're getting more and more of that today. And this is, you know, liberalism has a lot of definitions, but one of the points of liberalism is pure secularism. That is, somehow the church shouldn't only be distinct from the state, it should be separated from the state in such a way that the church is almost excluded from everything and that the church is something that applies strictly to individuals and applies strictly to those individuals in the four walls of the church and shouldn't really be put into society at all. That That's the the uh, uh, position that is growing stronger and stronger as time goes on. And it started uh, in, in, with our Uh, declaration of independence and constitution and so forth but it has become uh, more and more a part of secularism that uh, secularism is everything and religion is simply a private opinion that should for the most part be kept to ourselves and that's not what the church teaches and so the whole idea of integralism is to follow the church's teaching. But at the same time, uh, integralists believe that that teaching should actually be injected into society, and it should be part of our law, our culture, and uh, our economic system, and uh, all uh, of the social order of our society. So again, men living together are no less the, under the power of God than individuals are. And that makes sense. I mean, if each individual considers himself under the power of God, how is it that somehow God must be thrown out if individuals come together and form a government or a culture? And the whole idea of integralism is that it shouldn't. Uh, and so let's talk a little bit about liberalism and uh, classical liberalism, Uh it was injected, in the fact, into our, our, our Constitution, our Declaration of Independence. It is supposed to protect the individual from state and societal co- coercion. This is the whole idea of liberalism, is that uh, liberalism is to, supposed to provide liberty, and men are supposed to be protected from the uh, encroachment of the state and the state coercion and societal co- coercion in general so that they can exercise their own conscience and their own freedom. Uh, it was supposed to set up a law applying to and protective of all people equally. And it was supposed to provide a neutral secular state. But instead, Americans exist in a regime that presents itself as neutral, but aggressively assaults families and children. Uh, and it's liberalism itself, as, uh, uh, the church admits. Uh, actually the smoke of liberalism has actually even drifted into the church. In our culture itself, we have abortion, we have no-fault divorce, and those two things have done a tremendous amount of harm to society and to families in general. We have the idea of homosexual marriage or same-sex marriage, if you want to call it it that, uh, same-sex marriage, and, and the whole idea of marriage is a man and a woman coming together to be as one and to raise a family. And the whole idea of the church is that marriage is related to the family, and family is the building block of the church. And uh, the idea of same-sex marriage is simply, uh, you know, a an oxymoron. Uh, there, there is no such thing. Marriage itself—the word "marriage" means. The coming together by man and woman for the purposes of procreation. And that's, of course, not what uh, same sex so called marriage does. And it, so the church opposes uh, it on that basis. Uh, there's also in our society now a transgender uh, pedophilia, and that has crept, you know, the pedophilia especially has crept into the church, the smoke of Satan in the church itself, and it needs to be opposed and gotten rid of. So the church admits that, uh, you know, there is corruption all through our society and through our church because we're not following the principles that were in tradition that was handed on to us by Jesus Christ. I mean, we have drag queen story hour in schools. We have books and literature in schools that simply is not appropriate for kids. Uh, We have the transgender that is actually mutilating and uh, harming children uh, with chemicals and with actual operations, and uh, we're allowing that to go on among very young people who have no business trying to make such decisions along these lines on their own.
1: And it's irreversible.
0: And at such an early age, and also irreversible. And uh, we have this idea of the freedom of contracts among willing partners, and so forth. That, that as long as it does no harm to every, anyone else, but on on examination. A lot of these things are doing tremendous amounts of harm to other people, especially doing a lot of harm to children. Women are being harmed, and so are men as well, uh, especially in uh, the idea of no-fault marriage, where one person can simply reject the, the uh, marriage that they're in and leave another person, a woman uh, with children and without a husband, or vice versa. Sometimes it's the other way around. In effect, uh The the husband the woman leaves the husband and takes the children and the husband is separated from his children and so forth through no fault of his own, and this is doing a tremendous amount to hurt families. Uh, We're not doing any real marital training that we should be as society should as culture should should uh, put a tremendous amount of emphasis on uh, marriage. And preparing for marriage and understanding marriage and these kind of things, which we don't do. We avoid a lot of these things because we consider them sort of private, individual, and uh, for the particular religion of a particular person uh, or non-religion, whatever the case might be, and that has to be left to you know to people by themselves, and it is not working out. And again, I'm saying you know, we're not dismissing the church from this. The church also needs to be examined and uh, we're guilty Uh, it needs to be reformed and changed so we're not saying that nevertheless the catholic tradition that was handed to jesus christ by jesus christ to the apostles and the apostles to their successors and the church was charged with going out into the world and teaching that that's been given to us by the authority of jesus christ himself And that is the duty and job of the Catholic Church and, of course, of all the people that are in it. And that's basically what integralism is. And uh, in a society such as that, it avoids what happens with the society we have where all the problems that are caused by what what I was just talking about uh, enable the state then to step in and it so-called provides services to clean up the mess that it caused in the first place by allowing all of these things. So it steps in and provides all kinds of so-called services for broken families and suffering children. In a lot of cases, these things make things even worse. And a lot of secularness and liberalism use this power to actually advance their cause, and it just goes into a vicious circle, and things get worse and worse, and we're going along that spectrum right now faster and faster, and we've be, we seem to be moving toward the demise of our culture and our civilization, and all of Western civilization, not just here in the United States. And uh there needs to be something done about that. And the proposal is integralism to integrate the teachings of the church into society as Christ asked us to do in the first place. And and that's uh what we're what we're talking about. And why does all this happen? Why has all this happened? Why are why is our society breaking down? Why is our, our culture falling apart? And it is because Protestantism, and I'm not trying to beat up on Protestants here, but they would have to admit themselves, has no unified religious principles. Uh, they take Scripture as the sole means of understanding Christianity. And, of course, everybody is free to interpret Scripture uh, on their own. And so their own understanding of the Bible is varied, extremely varied. So there are thousands and thousands of different Protestant denominations, uh, many of which are in effect uh, believing in things that are directly opposed to each other. And there is no Christian unity to be in, in, injected into the state. And it's the Catholic Church that does provide a Christian unity, a dogma that has been handed down and kept uh, as dogma for centuries and doesn't change. And there's the big problem is, is that we have to keep remembering liberalism can't fix liberalism because liberalism is constantly changing. And that's one of the problems with it. Uh, is that it's hard to define what it is because it changes from month to month, year to year, and decade to decade. And those changes have, a lot of them, have been very, very harmful to society. So we're going to have to stop here and take a break. We'll come back and we'll talk about uh, the uh, integralism a little bit more and what the objections to integralism are and uh, I'm going to talk about why I don't think those objections uh, stand. So stay with us. We'll be right back.
2: You've been listening to Being Catholic with Bob Johnston on Catholic Spirit Radio.
0: Got an old vehicle taking up space in your garage or rustling outside? Catholic Spirit Radio would love to have it. Turn your worn-out vehicle into a donation. Simply call 866-628-CARS or go to catholicspiritradio.com to click on the Donate Your Vehicle link. This Sunday is Deacon Sunday. Let's pray for those men who serve in this special role. Dear Lord, continue to sustain our deacons so they remain ardent servants with gentle hearts, proclaiming your word, serving at your holy table, and reflecting Christ within our communities. Amen. Hi, this is Bob Johnson. You're listening to Being Catholic right here on Catholic Spirit Radio. We're back from our break. We're talking about integralism, and we were talking about the dissolution of our culture and our society under uh, liberalism, which is in a form of secularism uh, that is has become more and more anti-religious uh, and anti-God. And uh, we're talking about the fact that there needs to be a force against this, a force balancing this, and we're talking about the fact that the Protestant religion has not been able to do this, not because Protestants are bad or something along those lines, and they do many, many good things, and I'm certainly not knocking Protestants here. But the fact is is that it has no unifying factor. Uh, Its whole basis is Scripture alone, sola scriptura, and that can be interpreted by people differently And uh, so many people do, and there are so many different Protestant denominations. And when you get uh, a situation like this, religion becomes simply an individual, personal opinion, and it has no weight or authority to underline the laws and the culture of a country. And when that happens, uh, the country becomes strictly materialistic and strictly secular. And its culture begins to deteriorate, and that's what's happening in our country right now. And there are people that propose uh, Catholic integralism, that is, injecting uh, the Christian uh, Catholic religious principles and dogmas into the state itself underlying its laws and giving it a cultural direction and something solid to hold on to and that's what uh, catholicism is and it is what catholicism has to offer to our secular society and this is why uh a lot of people believe in integralism. Of course, there are a lot of people uh, that uh, reject this idea and are worried about it. They think that somehow or another this would be uh, creating some kind of a theocracy and a religious state, but that doesn't have to be the case, and we'll talk about that as we go along. Uh, And we certainly do need some kind of religious principles underlying our law because our law was based on religious principles in the first place. I mean, when Protestantism moved away from the church and Catholicism, it took much of Catholic culture with it, and uh, it was almost taken for granted uh, at the beginning of our country that uh, all of the laws and so forth that we had were Christian laws, and those laws were understood for a long, long time under Catholicism, and it took a while for that to change. But once the break was made with Catholicism and the tradition that was handed on by the church from Christ to the apostles and from the apostles uh, on down to our time, eventually that became broken and lost, and uh, the church became separated more and more from our law and from our state. And the country has been on a downward direction on account of that, at least according to uh, Integralist's. And we need to re-inject that back in to our culture and to our law, and that's what we're talking about here. Uh, And the the problem is is that liberalism is offered by a lot of people who call themselves conservative. They continue to offer the same liberalism as an antidote to the anti-family totalitarianism that is going on, But it was liberalism itself that was a failure (laughs) to protect the individual and the family and culture and so forth from uh, the the liberalism, the secular liberalism that is anti-God and anti-church and anti-religious in the first place because liberalism is constantly changing. It never stays the same or the same thing, unlike the church, which does. So thus, the need for inter- integral, integralism, that is, integrating Catholic dogma and doctrine into the state, into, into the law, into politics, into economics, and into culture. And uh, there are some objections that I want to talk about here uh, to this. And these, those objections occurred in an article in the New Oxford Review, and it was the same issue in which, of course, uh, the case for integralism was being made. So you have a case for, for integralism being made in that issue, and then you have a Catholic himself in that issue, Casey Chalk, who comes in and says that uh, you know that we should continue to try and change our society through the liberal process itself, which seems sort of like an oxymoron there because it's the very thing that's causing the problem in the first place. He comes in and he says that uh, the tenets of liberalism, that is, uh, the secularism, can be traced back not only to the Reformation and Enlightenment, he's saying, it can be traced not only back to Protestantism and uh, to the Enlightenment itself, to a move toward a more secular society, but we can trace those tenets all the way back before them to our own Catholicism, and they go back even before that. So if those are contained in Catholicism itself, how can, you know, the church say that somehow or another it can be a cure to those very things that they are a problem? But the fact is, is that, uh, you know, he he goes on, he says the consent of uh, the governed, the idea of having the governed give their consent to be governed is found in Cicero. That's back even earlier than the church. It's found in Dante, and, of course, Dante was Christian. It's found in Nicholas of Cusa. It's found in St. Augustine, one of, the, one of the Catholic saints, and so forth. Uh, th- these ideas of having a separation, a distinction uh, between the church and the state and a consent of the government. The answer to that is yes, but the conscience of men was to be rightly formed by the tenets of the church. In other words, people could have freedom of speech but that freedom of speech was to be guided by the tenets of the church. And if people rejected those tenets, the government certainly wouldn't enshrine those things, You know that rejection. And it goes on also, uh, the idea that a conscience has to be rightly formed. Uh, consent and freedom meant the consent to govern by the just principles of the church in other words to govern for the good of the whole and the good of everybody and govern in such a way that uh, society was was made stronger and better by that government not to be torn down not families and so forth to be torn down so uh, these ideas uh, that uh, he's referring to by augustine and by others before augustine and by catholics if these people could come back and look at what's happening in society today, they would never, they would never have to say that somehow or another they had given their approval to that. Uh, they wouldn't have dreamed that freedom of speech meant some of the things that it means today. They wouldn't have dreamed that uh, consent of the government meant consent to uh, chaos and anarchy and do almost anything or or actually extreme individualism. They would have meant uh, that the people should be free to be good. People should be free to follow the principles that were handed down by Jesus Christ himself and follow the church. And people should be free to have a government that was helpful and uh, that uh, handed out justice in good order and uh, protected the people from harm and uh, from uh, chaos and so on. They would never have agreed with what's going on today. So, uh, Separation also, in their minds, would have been a distinction between church and state. The church should not be trying to tell the state how to do its business, the business that it does. And, of course, the state should not be telling the church uh, what particular ethics and principles uh, that uh, should be followed. The church had its role to play in laying down the principles and ethics and so forth and the direction that a society should go. And then the state had its way in carrying those out. There are lots of different ways to carry those out, and that's up to the state to do. And uh, But the underlying principles of where a society ought to go, what it ought to be doing, and uh, how it should be treating people and the whole idea of culture, that is something that the church should have a very strong say-so in. This is what they would have seen between the, the separation of church and state, a distinction, not the church actually being ruled out of society entirely, and that's what we're moving toward today. And then when we talk about rights, that people have certain rights and so forth, they were talking about natural rights, rights that came from God, you know, and God's law. And even in our constant, in our early, you know, Constitution and our, our early founding and the Declaration of Independence, That was still the whole idea that uh, rights uh, belong to uh, nature or nature's God and that they didn't exist somehow in some kind of a vacuum by themselves. In other words, there was a huge difference between natural law, law that you could see that Paul himself talked about, St. Paul himself talked the laws that are written on our hearts, things that we know are, are right and good and things that we know are bad and evil, that uh, anyone can see for themselves. This is how law was supposed to be guided. Uh it was not supposed to be just whatever the authority of the state decided that it was. It was to come from God. Even Martin Luther King uh in his uh speech from the Birmingham Jail said that, you know, law an unjust law is no law at all. And in other words, a law that it goes against God's law is not a law, and it doesn't have to be obeyed. And that's what the Catholic Church still teaches. It doesn't teach that we should overthrow a government, but it teaches that uh, if the law goes against uh, God's law, which is the tradition of the Catholic Church that's been handed to us by Jesus Christ and handed on down to this time, then that law is not a just law, and if it's not a just law, it needs not to be obeyed. So, uh then Casey Chalk in that article goes on and he says that uh, integralism is impractical. Uh, people will not accept it and they will be skeptical. That is true. There are a lot of people who have been conditioned by our society that somehow the church should be totally separated from the state. And at first uh, they will object and they will be it. So the answer to that is so odd. Integralism can be a form of evangelization. The, the the point is is the church's job is to preach and to teach and uh we need to learn the flaws of liberalism and preach and teach otherwise and we can also be practical ourselves as uh you know we we go along with uh, anything that will go in the direction of, of, of curing a lot of the the uh, problems of our society uh So we can be practical as we uh, promote the idea of integralism. If there are other people going in the same direction that we are, we can join them for whatever reasons they have. They may be different from ours, but that doesn't mean we can't join in going uh, in the same direction with people that are going our way. So if they're going our way, then we can provide practical uh, ideas. Even if people are not going our way, we can come up with practical ideas and point out the practicality of them. We don't have to always stress the fact that it's uh, a Catholic dogma or Catholic doctrine. People will listen if something is workable and doable and they understand that it will be for the best and, and for their own good. Uh, they'll join with us. So it takes time. And uh, we can do that. But again, it will enable Catholics to be outspoken and bold. In other words, it's time for us to be outspoken. It's time for us to be bold. Uh, Progressivism, and that's basically what the word I want to use. Progressivism, which is a form of secularism uh, and a form of liberalism. Progressivism has done a tremendous amount of harm. Uh, it has been wrong in so many things that it's done, and yet it goes right on being wrong. And it does it in a bold, outstanding way, on an outspoken way. It claims for itself uh, the morality to run a society, and uh, proclaims that anyone that doesn't agree with it somehow or another is an outcast. Uh, it's far bolder than we are. So, what is wrong with uh, if 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 secularism, progressivism? which has caused so much harm in our society and made so many mistakes and had so many things result in uh, in, in the opposite of what they say it will result in. Look, look at defund the police, for example. This is a progressive idea. Look what it's done. It's hurt the very people that it's supposed to protect. And uh, on and on. You know, no, no fault divorce. This was a secular progressive idea that somehow or another it would improve society. It hasn't. It's made things worse. And we can name more and more what the idea of uh, same-sex marriage is helping to break families and, and destroy the families by the whole idea of making marriage trivial, uh, making marriage almost anything. And on and on we could go. And I won't uh, bore everybody by going into this. But the point is, is that if progressivism can be as bold as it is, then we as Catholics have to learn to be bold. Yes, and among the church, there are people that have made mistakes and there are people uh, that need to be corrected. And there are there has been the smoke of Satan has seeped in from time to time and that will happen. That doesn't mean that we simply lay down our cars on the table and give up the game. Uh, the, the, the progressives have made far more mistakes that they should be ashamed of. And yet they're marching proudly out in front and they're very bold about what they do. So there isn't any reason why we can't be doing the same thing. Then he goes on to say, it's counterproductive. It will cause Catholics to waste time on detached theorizing. Well, I would disagree with that. (laughs) Why detached? Yes, integralism is a theory, but a lot of things are a theory, and that theory can be put into practice, and that's what we have to do. And uh, we can be very practical about doing that. And uh, it's not a theory that didn't work. At one time, Western civilization, we have to remember that. Christendom, all of Western civilization was built by the Catholic Church, and it was built on Catholicism. It created a workable and a viable entity called Christendom. It created Europe. It created the United States. It created the modern world. It created science and all the other things that came into the world. It's a very workable thing. We have to remember that. We have to assert that, and we have to do that. Then he goes on finally, and he says, uh, he gives an example of Thomas More. He says Thomas More uh, was a theorist, but he was also a practical politician. He defended religious toleration and free speech. Now, why he brought More in, I don't know, but we can remember one thing about Thomas More. He lost his head, King Henry VIII, and had his head cut off. Uh, so maybe he wasn't so practical after all, but I mean, Thomas Moore, of course, is a great saint and, uh, Thomas Moore was a wonderful person and so forth. But the fact is he was a theorist and he was also practical, uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, bad things happened to him. We're not saying that things, uh, in this world can't sometimes go wrong. And so, uh, the same with Thomas Moore. But the fact is, is that this doesn't mean that somehow or another that we have to be that, that uh, because he was a practical politician, we can't be practical politicians as well. You can be both uh, that uh, we don't have to tolerate or condone bad behavior that is harmful and, and, and uh, condemned by the church. People can be free to speak their mind, but that doesn't mean if they advocate behavior that goes against the Christian behavior of the church that we have to allow it in our law. I mean, after all, uh, there have been all kinds of dysfunctional cultures. Uh, In India, for example, uh, when a man died, his wives could be killed and uh, burned up actually on his funeral pyre. And uh, so when when he died, they went with him. The, the British Christians put a stop to that. Is that wrong? Um, so at any rate, uh, we're going to have to take a break here. So stay
2: with us we'll be right back. You've been listening to Being Catholic with Bob Johnston on Catholic Spirit Radio. This
0: Sunday is Deacon Sunday. Let's pray for those men who serve in this special role. Dear Lord, continue to sustain our deacons so they remain ardent servants with gentle hearts proclaiming your word, serving at your holy table and reflecting Christ within our communities. Amen. Got an old vehicle taking up space in your garage or rusting outside? Catholic Spirit Radio would love to have it. Turn your worn out vehicle into a donation. Simply call 8 8- Six 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 two eight cars or go to catholicspiritradio.com to click on the Donate Your Vehicle link. Hi, this is Bob Johnston. You're listening to Being Catholic right here on Catholic Spirit Radio. We're talking about Integralism and we're talking about some of the object, objections to Integralism. We were talking about uh, Casey Chalk in an article in the NOR issue in which an article uh, uh, advocating integralism appeared, and in that same issue, there is the objections given by Casey Chalk to integralism, and I've been talking about these objections one by one, and uh, we're talking here about he brings up... uh, uh, Saint Thomas More, who was a he, he claims was a practical politician and also a theorist as well. So I don't really quite understand that objection. Uh, we don't have to tolerate or condone bad behavior. We can allow uh, Thomas More. He defended religion, uh, religious toleration, that is, and he defended free speech. We can do that. Uh, we can defend religious toleration and free speech. Also, we're not imposing the Catholic religion itself on society. we simply underlying the law with a lot of the Catholic dogma and principles. And uh, this is what built Western civilization in the first place. And uh, it's what built Christendom. It did work, and it can work again. And uh, we can tolerate different beliefs, but we certainly can't tolerate things that go against the principles that underline our law. Uh, no nation can do that. And still have law. Law has to be based on something. And for example, in in in, in Catholicism, and then of course in most Christianity, in most Christians, uh, murder or killing is against the law. So if a if a group of people believed in doing something like this, uh, we can't allow that behavior here. For, and I was using the example of India, their society, their religious allowed them to at one time uh, have their wives burned on the funeral pier if the husband died before the wife did. Uh, And when the British were involved in India, they stopped that violation. And they interfered with that culture because the fact is is that uh, it's an injustice to to the women and to their individual lives. I mean, we believe in the, the sanctity of life. Uh, We believe uh, as Catholics that that we can't tolerate infanticide, which is going on. We can't, you know, abortion right up to the last minute is really a form of infanticide. That can't be allowed. And uh, a lot of other laws are backed up by principles that we believe in in our law right here. And you can't allow people to go against those laws simply because they have a religious belief that goes against them. You can listen to what they have to say, but you can't change your law to fit everybody. No culture is, can be totally tolerant of everything. If it does, then tolerance itself becomes a huge vice that is worse than than uh, what, what it's supposed to replace. And I've said before that uh, any vice or I mean, rather, any virtue that stands by itself will eventually become a horrible vice. It also has to be balanced by other virtues as well. So, at any rate, those are some of the objections, and I don't think that those objections really stand. I think Catholics could advocate integralism. I think it would make us a lot bolder if we did advocate it. I think we would understand eventually the idea that uh, there is no such thing really, as a separation of church and state. There never was. And when you have a so-called separation of church and state, the state itself becomes the church. It will have principles based on, uh, I mean, it will have laws based on principles that it uh, holds by itself. And those principles always will be in some form or another religious principles. They're always taken on faith at bottom. Uh, no matter, in other words, once you get into an ought, instead of an is, we ought to do this, or we ought to do that, you are getting into the area of religion, and you are getting away from the area of plain uh, secular fact. And so there's no society that is without a religion. Men are inherently religious, whether they like it or not. As soon as they say we ought to do this or ought to do that, they're expressing something religious, something that's not found in nature itself, and something that's not found in material itself. So At any rate, I want to read here a little bit from uh, an editorial by Paul Gottfried in the Chronicles magazine. It's uh, in the uh, March 2021 issue. And uh, he goes on here, he says, uh, talking about what conservative needs and why conservative is not working and why conservatism fails. And we need something to replace it. And he says, amid an eloquent diatribe against the woke left and its friends in the deep state, Fox News host Tucker Carlson attributed to American deplorables a sentiment that may more accurately reflect his own feelings. He said, all they want to do is to go back to how things were in 2005. And Gottfried says, I heard myself responding out loud to this observation with uh, the idea What good would that do? And he goes on. He says, since I was working in what is euphemistically called higher education in 2005, I can testify to the fact that academics were then only slightly less baddie than they are right now. (laughs) And So he's pointing out what good would it do to go back to 2005 when 2005 was simply put us right back on the road to where we're at? He goes on, he says, to understand this radicalization, it is necessary to consider contributing causes. Perhaps near the top of this list and a factor that is almost too obvious to mention is the absence of significant resistance. So he's saying there's not enough resistance to this crazy, batty, mad (laughs) uh, uh, progressivism that is going on now. He says, if there is nothing consequential restraining those who are pushing society in a particular direction, it will continue to move along the same trajectory. In most Western countries, a powerful right-wing opposition no longer existed by the time that a leftist takeover was underway. The growing weakness of the right in relation to the left was not a one-way street. In essence, the right did not become weak simply because the other side grew strong. One reason the left, or at least the non-right, rules in Western countries without effective opposition is that the other side has collapsed, and in some countries like Canada, even vanished. Weakened conservatives in the U.S. have behaved in a cowardly fashion by engaging in periodic purges of their own ranks. And as the left veers ever more leftward, particularly on social and cultural issues, conservatives further weaken themselves by eagerly embracing positions once held by their leftist counterparts. And uh, that is the shadow that, that uh, follows, in, in other words, conservatism has simply become a shadow that follows liberalism. What's liberal today and opposed by the conservatives uh, becomes the old hat by tomorrow and the conservatives accept it. This is what's been going on. Uh, it has flinched com- repeatedly, Gottfried says, when the left smeared it as a fascistic, racist, anti-Semitic, and chauvinistic uh, group. Although conservatives were justified in distancing themselves from neo-Nazis and Klan members, they have also purged other far less senator collaborators in a frenzied attempt to avoid being attacked by the left. In the process, they have become an opportunistic imitation of their accusers. And again... That's uh, how the the shadow, you know, of, of conservatives have become the shadow of liberalism, the shadow that follows liberalism. He says here, In the longer run, a new conservatism must be fashioned that is built on the working class and small business and which is unswerving populist in its appeal. Although this movement may attract some minority support, its base will necessarily be Christian and it will be viable mostly outside of large cities. So he's going on talking here about we need a Christian base to of conservatism to oppose this liberalism, this progressivism. But his problem that he doesn't seem to understand is when he uses the word Christian, he's using it as if it were one thing. But this is my whole point in his broadcast and that is that Christianity under Protestantism is not one thing, uh, is not unified and it does not have the unified tradition that the Catholic Church has. So he's advocating that we have to have a Christian based conservatism. And I'm saying that integralism would provide that base and, uh, it would provide the stopping uh, power that we need to stop the, the, uh, consonant, uh, Progressing, you know pro- progress of the so-called progressives, and it would stop the weakness of the conservative movement, which simply becomes a shadow of progressivism because it it depends on that same principle of separation of church and state, and the same principle that progressivism depends on, and it simply becomes a shadow. Of what it's opposing today it will accept tomorrow. And uh, so the, this is uh, my point. And I want to go on here a little bit and get into uh, uh, an article here uh, about uh, G.K. Chesterton. And uh, he was uh, an English writer uh, who lived from 1874 to 1936 and uh, was a very popular pundit. He was never very fashionable, but he had a lot of things to say that go right along with this whole idea of integralism. And that's why I want to read from him. Uh, He made a career out of counteracting the latest, speaking out against the trendiest, counseling against the reformers who never knew what the form was, and defending those who clung in the corners. He was only interested in what was true, which seldom was the new. He said fallacies do not cease to be fallacies, even if they become fashionable. In the opening years of the 20th century, G.K. Chesterton made a large splash in literary London. The Daily News, the paper founded by Charles Dickens, saw sales of its Saturday issue double when Chesterton began writing his weekly column. Poet, playwright, novelist, philosopher, critic of art, literature and society, and creator, creator of the contra- Sherlockian Little Priest detective Father Brown, the prolific Chesterton was a true man of letters who humbly considers himself nothing more than a good journalist with an emphasis uh, on on journalists. He was a daily observer of life and he set himself apart from his snide and cynical contemporaries whose ink flowed into the sweeping current of modernism. And he opposed modernism and one of the things he said was, a dead thing goes with the stream. In other words, a dead thing goes with the the, the, current, the fads and the current of the day. And But he says uh, only a live thing can go against the current. That is, a live thing has a goal, and liberalism really has no goal. It changes from year to year and time to time, and, and progressivism has no goal. It's just progress, progress, progress with no particular place to stop. Chesterton represented tradition, and that's what the Catholic Church has, against fashion, and that's what uh, progressivism has. Modern men are not familiar with the rational arguments for tradition, but they are familiar, almost wearily familiar, with all the rational arguments for change, he wrote. But he also represented tradition against progress. His critics accused him of trying to turn the clock back, saying it simply couldn't be done. But Chesterton pointed out with his walking stick, yes, it can. The clock is our invention. We can set it at any time we choose. Actually, in fact, we do set the clock back every year. Civilization is also something we have made. We can remake it according to any plan we please, which is better than watching it decay. He pointed out every high civilization decays by forgetting the obvious. And uh, that's exactly what is going on today. We're, we're forgetting the very obvious things that made our society workable. And when that happens, the society begins to decay. Decay. Progress, Chesterton pointed out, isn't anything. You can't be for progress unless you define the thing towards which you are progressing. Otherwise, progress is simply a comparative for which we have not established a superlative. In other words, progress is just going nowhere. Uh, The progressive, according to Chesterton, the progressives, according to Chesterton, were only interested in going on towards going on. Their notion of progress was based on a rejection of the past, a hatred of history, and a breaking of the commandment that tells us to honor our father and mother. Tradition means giving a vote to our ancestors. It is, Chesterton said, the democracy of the dead. Letting our ancestors have a vote is only common sense, whereas voting on behalf of our ancestors is election fraud. In other words, the whole idea of the progressive is, is that every new generation has to somehow or another reject the What was established in the past, even if that was very good, somehow we have to reject it and go on to something else. Where? It doesn't make any difference. The progressives just go on with no particular goal in mind. And the whole idea of the Catholic Church is a goal. We are supposed to get to heaven, which is not here on earth. And as Catholics, we understand that we're not going to create a heaven here on earth. We're not going to create some kind of utopia. The church teaches against that. That doesn't exist here on this earth, and we can't expect it. And that is something for the afterlife, not for this life. And uh, Chesterton was alienated from Britain's Liberal Party when he discovered its stealth and corruption, but also when he realized that the liberals were not interested in liberty or justice. They were only interested in getting re-elected. Now, Chesterton understood all of this back in the first half of the 20th century. He died in 1932. So, I mean, this, this was something he recognized then, and it's been going on since then, and it's been getting worse and worse and worse, and now it seems like it's really becoming very, very destructive. He says, The whole modern world has divided itself into conservatives and progressives. The business of progressives is to go on making mistakes, which I've just mentioned they do over and over again. And he points out the business of the conservatives is is to prevent the mistakes from being corrected. And that's the whole problem. This is what uh, Paul Gottfried, in the article I was reading just a minute ago, was talking about. The conservatives can't seem to stop the progressive movement, that is the liberal movement. And the reason they can't is simply they're a shadow of liberalism, trying to follow along using the same principles that the progressives use to somehow oppose progressivism, and it doesn't work. And that's why Paul Godfrey is saying we have to have a new conservatism, a more basic conservatism, and that's exactly what I'm talking about with integralism. And I think integralism can work. And uh, I think Chesterton is totally right, and uh, about many many things. And he says finally, and I'll get this in the worst sort of mistakes that conservatives uh, that. Uh, are not He says the worst sort of mistakes are those that are not mistakes, but the correction of mistakes. And uh, it's always hard to correct the exaggeration without exaggerating the correction. And isn't this what the, the liberals or the progressives constantly use against us is this idea that somehow or another they have to correct our past mistakes. And they use that correction to advance their own cause, which is power, money, and getting elected. And we have to have something that will stop that. And what I am proposing is the dogma and principles of the Catholic Church, which are the same as they always were from the time of Christ, that those dogmas be taken, injected into our state, into our culture, into our law, into our economics. And that they give us the direction, the so-called conservative, the real conservative, I should say, the real conservative direction that we ought to go. And I'm going to have to stop here. It's been a lot to get in. And so this has been sort of a long uh, dissertation, but I hope it's helpful. And at this point, we'll have to stop and say our prayer. Sorry I couldn't get you into the discussion more, Lynn. There was just so much. Yeah. So, St. Michael, Michael, the archangel, the defend us in the battle. We are a protection, protection against, against the wickedness and snares of the, the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, Prince of the, the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, thrust into hell Satan, Satan and all, all evil spirits who wander through the, the world for their inner souls. souls. Amen.
2: You've been listening to Being Catholic with Bob Johnston on Catholic Spirit Radio. If you'd like to contact Bob, email bob at Catholic Spirit Radio. Again, that's Bob at catholicspiritradio.com. Catholic Spirit Radio relies on your support to bring programming like this and EWTN 24 hours a day. Please help keep Catholic Spirit Radio on the air with your generous support. Donate online at catholicspiritradio.com or send a donation to Catholic Spirit Radio, 108 Boykin's Place, Normal, Illinois, 61761. That's Catholic Spirit Radio, 108 Boykin's Place, Normal, Illinois, 61761. Catholic Spirit Radio is a 501c3, and all donations are tax-deductible. Thank you for your support of Catholic Spirit Radio.